episode 178 of Board Game Blitz, a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to wait for that new board game to get shipped to your house. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about video games? What? First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, El Grande and Marvel Snap. Then we talk about our top five video games of all time. And now, here are your hosts, Ambi and Crystal. One quick announcement before we hop into the main episode, and that is that as of the day of this episode releasing, we're at Dice Tower West! Woohoo! So, literally, today, if you happen to be in Las Vegas and you're not (laughs) at Dice Tower West, what are you doing? Come on down! (laughs) Play some games with us! We are at the con this weekend, and tomorrow, Friday of the week that this releases, which is March 10th at Mm -hmm. 2 p.m. Pacific, we are co-hosting a meetup with a bunch of the other Tabletop Live Network creators. It's an official TLN meetup. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. It's going to be at 2 p.m., most likely in the main gaming hall, but we're not 100% certain of the location yet. So if you're coming to Dice Tower West, you know, come find one of us or check out all the usual places, social media, whatnot. You'll be able to find the info. But we're really excited to see everybody at the meetup, and I'm going to have some special cool stuff to hand out to some people that I've been working on. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Those are really cool. (laughs) And then also I will be there. I mean, I will be at the TLN meetup, but I will also be on Saturday at the Dice Tower booth from 1 to 4 p.m. I will have copies of my book, Board Game Day, which is a children's book for for like toddlers, at the Dice Tower book to sell throughout the convention. But I will be there at the booth to like sign books or something, (laughs) say hi to people from 1 to 4 p.m. on Saturday afternoon. So you can come say hi to me there. Recently, I played for the first time El Grande, which is a game published in 1995, designed by Wolfgang Kramer and Richard Ulrich. This is a classic area control, area majority game. I don't know if it's like the first classic modern one or something, but it's... Probably it's, not, but it's yeah. kind of, it, it's it's definitely a big deal. And we mentioned yeah. this way back a long time in ago. our yeah. For in Shame our, like, episode that we recorded yeah. about like popular modern we, classic games that or like the top 100 Yeah, we looked through the top 100 and like games that we that hadn't, we hadn't played, played. And, and, and none of should. us, both <laughs> Ambie and I and Cassidy had not mm-hmm. played this one at the time. And now both mm-hmm. Ambie and I have played El Grande. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I played it at five players once. I I wasn't expecting to like it that much because I don't really like area control, but I didn't know much about it. But I liked it about as much as I expected to like it. (laughs) <laughs> so in El Grande, everyone has a hand of cards that are 1 to 13 and you play them to kind of like bid on your turn order each round and then you play them like they're one-time plays. So the, the higher number goes first, but the lower numbers give you more reserve people from your supply. So like you want to balance out that depending on if you want to go first or not. And then when you go on your turn, there's different cards. There's like one card for each player and each card has a special action, but then also a number of people that you can place out on the board. And the special actions do things like you can move other people's people markers on the board or you can like switch things around or you can like veto someone else's special action and then there's this one king meeple that goes on one of the provinces and like that dictates where you can place your meeples around on the board and like the one province the king is on like can't be disturbed at all so moving that is one of the special actions and like that has a lot of power because you score at the end of each round and then the one with the king scores more so like if you have the king there and you can't be disturbed during all these 
like special actions and you can't put other stuff in there. So you know that like, that person's going to win and score a lot of points. So you score points for each province based on like first, second and third majorities. Basically play a bunch of rounds and then the most points wins. So I don't really like area control games most of the time or like bidding games. <laughs> so this has like both of that. And also the special powers felt kind of take that -y. So usually I'm kind of okay with area majority where it's like first, second, and third. This type of game where it's like you place things on and you're trying to get the most influence. I'm okay with that compared to area control where you're like fighting. I don't like the fighting ones as much. So I kind of liked it okay, but like I didn't like that the special actions felt kind of more take that sometimes because it lets you move away other people's markers sometimes. So like you would be putting something there and then someone else just moves it away even if like they don't really care about you specifically but they're like just moving it away because they want something else or like so sometimes that felt kind of like take that and I don't like that as much and then also the, like the veto actions felt kind of take that in our game the veto actions just came out at the beginning so they weren't that powerful but I could see like if they came out later in the game it would probably feel really bad if like your one action on your turn got vetoed <laughs> so yeah it's an interesting thing where bidding is important and what special action you choose is important as well yeah. and as I've played it over time I, I kind of felt the same way you did when I played it at first like it felt more mm -hmm. mean it is obviously like a mean mechanism but I think yeah. as I've played it more it isn't quite as bad but it's still definitely like it can hurt right like when mm -hmm. you've built up something and somebody else comes in and kind of just demolishes what you've been doing yeah. but theoretically you can plan ahead for that stuff but it's it's difficult <laughs> little, to yeah. do yeah because you see what actions are coming out and then most of the times it does make sense what they're doing so like it makes sense that they would be moving these things and so a lot of the times it didn't feel too much take that like i was actually telling someone like yeah that makes sense that you should move my pieces away from there and and mess up me <laughs> um, so that i was fine with that but <laughs> But yeah, like overall, I think like if you like area majority and like the bidding type things, it, it's a solid game. It's just I don't like those mechanisms in general. So yeah, for me, it's not like something that I would want to play again. But like I could see that it's a solid game for like an area majority game. <laughs> so yeah, that was El Grande. I'm glad that you got to play it. I think obviously it is not essential for any board gamer to have definitively played a whole bunch of All these the games. modern classic <laughs> games. That's not required. Yeah. You're a board gamer yeah. even if you've only played one board game and you liked it mm -hmm. and you want to keep playing it. You're a board gamer. But I do think for those of us who are in media, in the hobby, it is nice to have some knowledge about the modern classics, especially mm -hmm. because some of those modern classics have been drawn upon as inspiration for other newer games. And so I think for me personally, it helped gives me deeper understanding and appreciation for where board games were and how mm -hmm. far they've come, even just in the past couple of decades. So mm -hmm. I'm glad that I got to play it. It's not one of my favorites, but if somebody invites me to a game of El Grande on Board Game Arena, like I'll play it. It's not horrible, but it's definitely mm -hmm. not one that I'm clamoring to play <laughs> on a regular basis. Yeah, same, same here. Except for like, I don't play on Board Game Arena, but... <laughs> <laughs> Only when I make you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the game I'm talking about tonight is not a board game, although it has a lot of similarities to certain types of board games. And that is the freemium app game Marvel Snap. So Marvel Snap is available both on mobile platforms, mobile devices, and on Steam. So you can play it on a PC or on a mobile device. I play it exclusively on my phone. And it is a one-on-one -on -one card game where each player comes into battle with a deck 
deck of 12 cards total, just 12, and the game lasts generally six total turns. Each turn you have energy equal to the round. So in round one, you have one energy to spend. Round two, you have two, three, four, five, etc. And then the cards in your deck have a certain energy cost to be able to play them and a power cost or a power level. You play those cards to one of three locations in the middle of the board and those locations often have special abilities or they will trigger certain things when they are revealed. The locations get revealed on turns one, two, and three respectively. So you don't actually know what the locations two and three are until a little bit later. You can still play cards to those locations, but you're doing so blindly and they may affect the way your cards powers go off if you're not sure what is happening there. And as I mentioned, your cards have powers as well. And like any deck building style or deck curation, deck creation game, you are trying to synergize the abilities of your cards to work well with one another. And then at the end of the six rounds, whoever has control of the majority of the locations will win the match. If there is a tie, meaning one player has control of one location, one player has control of another, and then they are tied on the third, Third, total power at all locations will break that tie. And if there is a tie at that point, it is just a tie. As I mentioned in the title, this is Marvel Snap. So all of the characters in the game and the locations are based on things from the Marvel Universe. It is not just the Marvel Cinematic Universe though, it is the entire Marvel Universe. And as a person who did not grow up reading comic books or really getting into the superhero stuff, there are a lot of characters from Marvel that I've never <laughs> heard of before and I've been really excited to learn about through this game. Did you know there's somebody named Crystal in the Marvel Universe? I didn't. She exists. But yeah, so I typically do not like 1v1 card battling games or deck crafting games because I'm not usually great at crafting a deck. Like for instance, Magic the Gathering, mm -hmm. usually an average deck size is around what? Like 30 cards? For my brain, I struggle to find the synergies between cards to be able to create something with that scope. Mm -hmm. Especially because like in Magic the Gathering, there's so many cards, right? There's yeah. too many. <laughs> like you, But Marvel Snap, the card set is obviously far more limited and your deck is only 12. So you don't have mm -hmm. to create this gigantic deck of things that all work together. You kind of just have to find a few little synergies and you can play around with it and then see what works. It is free to play, but obviously like any app game, you can buy season passes that will unlock special cards and variant artwork for things and more like credits that can let you upgrade things. So I've heard from people that play it completely free and enjoy it. I have kind of done middle of the road I sometimes pay a little bit of money, but currently I'm not really adding anything. I'm just playing what it is. And I think both experiences are good and valid, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. I would say if you're like me and superheroes aren't completely your thing, two player card battlers aren't completely your thing, but you like playing games on your phone, maybe download it, give it a try. I'm really loving it. And I think more people, I mean, obviously the game is very popular. It's being streamed on <laughs> yeah, Twitch a lot, all a lot. of that. But I would say there are probably people like me out there who have said, oh, that's not for me. And they might be wrong. So give mm -hmm. it a shot if you've been interested. I'm really enjoying it. That's Marvel Snap. Yeah, and if it's free, you might as well try it, I guess. Right? Like, yeah, what do you have to lose? <laughs>
I guess time is the the thing you yeah. have to lose. If yeah, that's, like I haven't I haven't downloaded it because I'm like I'm not into phone games because of the time thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean you've got three year olds running around, so you, yes, yeah. They, where, they don't where, like when you're hanging out with games. your three year old, I'm playing games on my phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, they they learned early on to say no more phones. So. Oh dang! <laughs> yeah. Guilting the parents. That's uh, that's harsh. <laughs> A while back, we did an episode that was a top five list that had nothing to do with board games. And y'all said you (laughs) liked it, so we're doing that again. And this time, we're going to be a little more adjacent to gaming because we're talking about our top five video games. Yes, top five. This is a definitive list. (laughs) (laughs) This was a hard list to make. I I have like, I have two honorable mentions already, and I am still missing a lot of stuff. Stuff. Like, oh man, yeah. I, I wonder, I could probably make a top 100 game list if I really <laughs> had the time. Yeah, I just like put down five that I thought of as like the games that were big moments in my life more kind of, I think. I don't know. Oh, but not necessarily. I don't know. So like <laughs> I put down like my five favorites that I thought of of all time. So and then my ordering from five to one is like the one that I played the longest ago versus the most recent one. So the most recent one is one because I, I'm not good at ordering lists. <laughs> well, that is totally okay. All right. So yeah. So yeah, this was hard because <laughs> there's so many video games and there's, there's so many different types. So I also tried to like spread out the types kind of. But anyways. So my first one, which is, I guess, number five, (laughs) is The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, which was the first Zelda game I played, and still my favorite, I think. I've played it multiple times, but this was on the Nintendo 64. The Nintendo 64 was the first console that my brother and I got that was our own console, so that was exciting too, but Zelda wasn't the first game on it. But yeah, like Zelda, I first played it. I didn't play it. I watched my brother play it, and I really liked that, (laughs) and then like I played it again on my own later, like multiple times. Back when I had time, I liked like the adventure game uh, and there was like some puzzle dungeon stuff and like yeah I don't know Zelda, Zelda is great although like now I, I'm not as into the Zelda games just because they take so long <laughs> but Ocarina of Time was I don't know if it's just because it was the first game I played or it was like still like my favorite of them but I really liked Ocarina of Time. You'll hear from me in a little bit about something <laughs> similar but slightly different. <laughs> AKA Zelda right? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm literally thinking of things for my honorable mention list as the the seconds tick by. So we really need to, to go through this list fast because otherwise I don't know what I'm going to do. But I am officially, unofficially deeming my number five to be the Fallout series of games, but specifically Fallout New Vegas. I did not start playing Fallout when it first came out. In fact, some Fallout fans would probably be angry to hear that I've never played the original Fallout or Fallout 2. They were the top down view, not three-dimensional versions of the game, which I've heard are fabulous. But when you come into the franchise on Fallout 3, for me at least, it's hard to go back. (laughs) Um, So I did start with Fallout 3. It blew my mind. And then Fallout New Vegas iterated on that and was even better in my estimation. And not just because I lived in Vegas when New Vegas came out and I literally was walking around the world being like, wait, that's a real place and that's a real place. And oh my God, they got this 
is so accurate. Like, they pay a lot of attention to detail in those games when they are Mm. using real-world locations as a basis. Specifically for me, the reason I love Fallout, at least the three-dimensional versions of the game, is because of the VATS system that exists. The VATS system is the reason that I can play those Fallout games, and it is something very unique, at least in my estimation, compared to other first-person shooter-style video games. I don't play first-person shooters at all, ever, pretty much for any reason, because I'm bad at them. Especially with a controller with joysticks, I am horrible at moving and aiming at the same time. If I have a weapon of some kind, just I'm bad at that. But in Fallout, the VATS system basically allows you to freeze or slow, dramatically slow down time and aim at specific things, like very detailed, like if you're trying to kill someone, you can aim at their head, for instance, and things like that. It makes those games approachable for somebody like me. And it's why I fell in love with them. In addition to the fact that the stories are great and you don't have to go around shooting everything, you can up your conversation skills and talk your way out of problems. And that to me is really fun. I really love the Fallout games. Fallout 4, not quite as great. And I haven't played Fallout 76 because, well, eh. But Fallout New Vegas is 100% awesome. And that's why it's my number five. Cool. I don't think I've played any Fallout games. <laughs> I don't play first person games that much. I mean, yeah, because you, you have uh, motion sickness issues, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the next game on my list, which is number four, I guess, is Super Smash Brothers for the N64. So this is the first Super Smash Brothers. And this is my favorite because it's the one I played the most. I know like Melee is better, but <laughs> for me, I played Super Smash Brothers on the N64 a lot and I loved it. I love Kirby. That's where my love of Kirby began actually because I didn't play a Kirby game until after playing Super Smash Brothers. So yeah, like Super Smash Brothers is a brawling fighting game free for all where everyone's different characters from Nintendo franchises and it's a lot of fun. <laughs> In Super Smash Brothers, the original, there were like 10 characters. I, I forget exactly how many. It's not that many, 12 maybe, maybe eight and then you unlock four. But I liked playing a lot of them. I would play with my cousin cousins mostly with like one cousin and then like because like he was around my age and then the other cousins were younger and they would like hold controllers and die (laughs) but (laughs) 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 but like uh, and I would play with my friends and this was back like the N64 was when I was at the age where I would play video games with friends and stuff in person more so that's why I played it a lot and so like I remember having a lot of fun playing Super Smash Brothers and that's why it's one of my favorite video games of all time (laughs) it's interesting I there are most of the Nintendo franchise games Mm -hmm. I've dabbled in or have played a lot of and Smash Brothers I have played it but I've never Mm -hmm. owned it and it's never been a favorite of mine I don't know why but I think I'm just bad at button mashing Yeah, I was like better than the rest of my family. I think it might have been the first game that I was better than my brother at because I was two and a half years younger than him. So like it was hard to be better at him when I was very young. (laughs) But then like at Super Smash Brothers, I finally was able to beat him at one of the games. So yeah. Nice. My number four is a PC game that came out in the 90s. And it is probably one of my most nostalgic gaming memories from that time period. As I kind of entered my teenage years, I was spending more time on the computer at my house than on the video game console. And The Neverhood, a stop animation claymation video game came out and I don't know how I acquired it, whether it was a gift or whether I bought it or what, but you take on the role of Clayman, K-L-A-Y-M-A-N, Clayman is his name. 
And he is wandering around this fantastical world, solving puzzles to progress and learn more about the story. And he's learning the story of the Neverhood, the place that he is. And I would give you more, but there's a lot of fun stuff in the story. And I know it's unlikely. I don't even know if you can get it and play it nowadays, like maybe from (laughs) GOG or something, but... It's a relatively simple point and click style game, but the claymation is done beautifully. And the puzzles range from very simple to pretty complex, but they were doable for me when I was young. I think for me, what stuck with me is games that I was able to complete on my own. I didn't mm-hmm. mind asking for help or looking up, you know, like tips on the internet via dial up if I had to for certain games. But I really liked when I could just figure stuff out on my own. And The Neverhood was one of those games where I'd get stuck occasionally but for the most part I could figure it out and the aesthetic is great look up a screenshot if nothing else I recommend it if there is a way to acquire it and play it nowadays that's the neverhood cool I haven't played that one but I think you've talked about it a lot and I keep thinking like oh I should play it (laughs) I know I think I have talked about it a lot like I don't know in what contexts but I really (laughs) like I evangelize for that game a lot (laughs) yeah I've definitely heard about it from you (laughs) yeah so (laughs) My next game, speaking of games that are in the computer era, because <laughs> I got a computer in high school and then started playing more computer games and less console games. So my number three is StarCraft. StarCraft 1, because I played that a lot in high school with my friends. I actually didn't like the expansion as much. I didn't play with the Brood War as much as just regular StarCraft, I think. I'm not sure why. <laughs> so it's just StarCraft, it's on my list. But yeah, StarCraft is a real-time strategy game. You're like building up a base. There's three different races. You're building up a base and building up units and then going and attacking the other people. And so I never got like really good at it or anything, but I would play a lot. I would play like the used map settings online too. <laughs> and this was like the first game that I played online, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Like multiplayer online. I don't remember if there were other games that I played online. Maybe Warcraft 2 or something before that. I don't know if I played that online. But anyways, like Starcraft, I played a lot with my friends and with my brother. And it was very fun until my friends got into World of Warcraft. And then, oh yeah, that'll that, take you away. Then, then we stopped playing Starcraft. Because I never I never got into World of Warcraft because I didn't want to pay the subscription. But yeah, StarCraft I really liked. And then I think I did play the single player at one point. And like the story is pretty good too. So it's good. What's interesting, I've never played StarCraft. But mm-hmm. when I was in college, I played a lot of Warcraft 3. It is kind of, mm-hmm. it's on my honorable mention list. Especially single player campaigns, both Warcraft 3 and its expansion, The Frozen Throne. Oh yeah, I played through the single player of those, yeah. Really good stories, mm-hmm. good yeah. gameplay. And then yes, also similar to you, my college buddies and I would do LAN parties and download user-created maps from the internet. We did a lot of tower defense style maps that way. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know why, but we really liked and the Dota tower defense. was uh, Warcraft 3. My oh. brother used to play a lot of the used map settings of Defense of the Ancients Dota on that. And then they made Dota became its own game. <laughs> 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 but yeah, Blizzard, you know, they, they made some good stuff back in the yeah, day. Back in the day. All right, well, back to my number three. We talked about Zelda earlier for Ambi, and Zelda had to be on my list as well. I have played the majority of the big title releases. Now, for the record, I have, am also a fan of the charity marathon that happens every year, Zeldathon. So I know about the CDI games, like the, the, the weird, wacky ones, the <laughs> quote, what's the quote that Link says from one of them? He goes, oh, well, excuse me, oh. 
princess. Like, I know those are Zelda games. I haven't played any of those. Like, the weird one-off, like, little ones. But of the main Zelda games, I've played a majority of them. But what's interesting is I have owned every Nintendo console that has existed from the Nintendo in the NES system all the way to the Switch, aside from one. And the one that I never owned was the GameCube. And yet, my favorite Zelda (laughs) game of all time is Wind Waker, which was originally (laughs) released on the GameCube because a few years ago, Nintendo re-released it on the Wii U, utilizing the touchscreen on the Wii U's big controller. And I thought there was no way that my childhood favorite Zelda game, which was Link's Awakening, because it's the first Zelda game I beat all by myself on my Game Boy, I thought that and A Link to the Past from the Super Nintendo would never be beat in my mind, honestly. And Wind Waker, I know some people don't like the kind of more cutesy art style, but I adore it. And I thought that the gameplay and the mechanisms were neat and different and yet still very Zelda. And I just, I loved every minute of that playthrough. I hope they poured it over to the Switch at some point so I can play it again. I still have my Wii U, but I don't want to hook it up. (laughs) So (laughs) Nintendo, please give me a port of Wind Waker for the Switch. I would love to play it there. But yeah, shout out to Link's Awakening, my childhood favorite Mm -hmm. Zelda game because it was the first one I beat by myself. And yeah, Zelda, my number three. Yeah, we played Wind Waker on the GameCube up until we got on a boat. And then I remember like there was a lot of sailing and then we got bored. <laughs> yeah, and they, they made, so I again, I've never played the original, but I know that one of the things that people talked about they fixed in the remaster was sailing is better in some okay. capacity. I, I don't know. I, I don't really remember like. Like you still do have to sail a lot, but <laughs> I, I remember people talking about how it was improved. I just don't know how it was improved. Uh, okay. My next one, number two, is now getting to modern games for me. (laughs) So now, like, all of those games that I mentioned before are probably games that I won't ever play again. Maybe Ocarina of Time. (laughs) But yeah, now this is games that I play nowadays. So my number two is Baba Is You, which is a puzzle game. It's a two-dimensional puzzle game where you're pushing around words and the words make up rules. So the words say, like, Baba Is You. And then you can push around the Baba and the is and the you. So if you if you mess it up and break up the sentence, then Baba is no longer you and you lose. <laughs> but you want to like get to the win. So so like the simplest thing is Baba is you, flag is win. And then you move your character, which is Baba, over to the flag. And then you win. As the game progresses, there's different rules that get added, different things, different words. And it gets very, very difficult. <laughs> very, there's... very difficult, very quickly. Like they, they do not mince words. They like, like throw you into the deep end after yeah. a few levels. Yeah, and then there's a lot of mechanisms in the game and it's it gets so Oh, uh, anyway, so like I streamed it with Joe Sondow on our Twitches and we played it over like the last year or so cuz there there's over 200 levels in like the main game. So we've completed all of those now. And after you complete it, there's like a well, I guess you don't have to complete it, but there's like another extra DLC you just get it for free (laughs) but (laughs) the extra levels and then there's like bonus stuff and then people can make their own levels and stuff so there's a lot of content for it so i i like puzzle games now like i discovered that i like puzzle games recently when i started streaming video games and so like always you has been most of that time because it's been like a year of playing it along with like a lot of other puzzle games but like always you is a very amazing puzzle game and that was my number two 
My number two will probably not come as a surprise to anybody who has known me for any amount of time because it is one of my favorite video games for a whole bunch of reasons, and that is Portal and Portal 2. I am grouping these together and it does not feel like a cheat because there are only two games in the series, unless you want to count Aperture Desk Job, which also is fun, but is a very different game. So for those of you who are unfamiliar, Portal and Portal 2 are puzzle games where you uh, as the protagonist have been trapped in a series of chambers by a malevolent robot, essentially. Basically, the robot is testing you, or that's what she says she's doing, and you have to complete each, each chamber to move on to the next, and the way you complete these chambers is through the use of the portal gun, which creates portals in walls. You put a hole in one wall, you put a hole in a different wall, and now they are connected to one another, and now you can walk through them, or throw things through them, or or drop things through them, or put them on the floor and fly straight, mm -hmm. in, straight into them. And physics continues to work its magic <laughs> and you can go flying all over the place. And okay, so the story, great. Mm -hmm. Characters, awesome. Music, fantastic. Jonathan <laughs> Colton does the freaking end credits, y'all. And if you don't know who Jonathan Colton is, oof, we got, we, I, I, I got, just look up Skullcrusher Mountain. Dude, you don't even have to look up the portal stuff. Just look up Skullcrusher Mountain and then you'll understand why I love Jonathan Colton so much. The music, the puzzles, everything about Portal is amazing. I have cosplayed as the main character, Shell. I have the actual replica Portal gun that Think Geek used to sell. I've won costume contests <laughs> as Shell. Uh, it is that I love the character and I love the world and I love everything about it. And I will never stop talking about how much I love Portal. And that is why it is my number two. Yeah, I really like Portal 2 and that made my shortlist, but because of the first person, I got motion sickness playing it. So that's why I didn't yeah. make my I really liked five, playing like, Portal 2 with you. Did we never finish yeah. the two player campaign, did we? I don't think we did. We should, yeah, we we should, should get we should back do, to that. We at some do point. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, and my number one, which isn't necessarily my favorite video of all time, it's just the most recent one that I've played, <laughs> is Trombone Champ. <laughs> so... I'm just shaking my head for those of you who are just listening. I, I was thinking maybe like Guitar Hero or something, but like Trombone Champ has a similar feeling for me of Guitar Hero because Trombone Champ is a rhythm music game. It's like Guitar Hero, but with a trombone and you can play like any note. And then if you play a note wrong, it just plays what you played. So you're moving up and down on the slider because a trombone has like a, a slider to play. So it can play like, it doesn't play distinct notes. It just goes, ooh, right that. <laughs> and so and just in to the be, game- Just to be clear for those who don't understand, you do not have like a physical representation of a trombone, like a guitar in Guitar Hero. It's not like that. No, no, yeah, yeah. You're using your mouse and a keyboard. Although I think some people have modded trombones to be controllers. Oh my God, of course <laughs> they have. Yeah, so there's a big, modding community in trombone champ with extra songs and stuff so i've downloaded some of those songs but yeah like i played through the whole thing and i think the, the reason this is on my top five is because my kids watch me play and they love they love the game so my kids are super into like marching bands and they love trombones and so when they saw this game they got even more into trombones and i was like okay i have to buy this game <laughs> and like it has stars and stripes on there which is the da, 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 that song like they loved that song before trombone champ but then like they saw oh, it on trombone gosh. champ and they're like oh my gosh we'll play this song <laughs> so yeah it's it's very fun playing with them 
<laughs> because they get so excited about it. And so like, just like <laughs> the whole experience of Trombone Champ and the game itself is like, it's fun and also ridiculous. It's making fun of itself kind of <laughs> in the game and like the storyline of the game. So it, it's like a funny game, but like just playing it with my kids and my kids just love it and they like pretend to play it. And <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of <laughs> fun and so if you like like rhythm games and playing to the notes and stuff and you also like funny things then you should definitely check out trombone champ i honestly at some point i should play it but yeah like rhythm games in general are definitely a an honorable mm -hmm. mention for me i wanted to put them on the list specifically dance dance revolution but i also mm -hmm. spent a lot of time playing guitar hero and rock band mm -hmm. throughout the years and i love all of those games shoot i even had donkey konga at one point like that mm -hmm. was really fun that was a drumming game yeah rhythm games are a very unique genre but they're so much fun to play yeah they are my number one is diving into a realm that none of our games have touched so far and that is the modern world of virtual reality i think you know when we were growing up people talked about virtual reality like it was going to happen soon and then it kind of just kept not happening in the ways that people thought it would. Today, now, it's finally happening, I think, in the ways that people thought it would maybe 20 <laughs> years ago. You know, the computing power necessary to create worlds in virtual reality is large. And I have now spent a lot of time playing my favorite VR game, which is not Beat Saber, although Beat Saber is amazing. It's Walkabout Mini Golf. <laughs> what? Mini Golf? Why would that be your favorite game of all time, Crystal? Uh, because it feels like I'm playing actual mini golf, but in fantastical places like undersea in Atlantis or on snowy cliffs with seagulls flying around or literally in a world made of candy. It is what I wish miniature golf could actually be in real life and it feels like real life and you can play with your friends through the internet in real time and you see their avatar and their mouth is moving when they're talking and it really feels like you're hanging out with them like some of you may be familiar with our friend and fellow board game streamer ross more games please i've played mm. walkabout with him he's across the ocean and we play miniature golf oh, together that's cool. and that's cool right like that's mm. just fun if you're lucky enough to have a vr rig of any kind and walkabout is available on it get it 100 just get it and if you need somebody to play with i will play with you because i love walkabout they have added so many courses including some licensed courses based on the movie labyrinth the old computer game mist and they have more stuff coming out all the time i cannot say enough good things about it and i don't think i'll ever get sick of it so my number one walkabout mini golf yeah i still don't have vr but i put it on my list of games to get when i get vr <laughs> i wonder so yeah i wonder how the motion your motion sickness would do because vr tends to be even more intense right well i've i've played one on other people's vrs and it was fine it's only sometimes i get motion sickness with first person toby cannot do vr for me it's more like the controls i'm not good at controlling it but like with vr the controls are just moving your head so so it matches yeah. more what i'm thinking so like yeah, yeah, yeah but like a lot of times with my mouse i think it like it's too fast so then like i have to slow it down or like back then um i didn't know how to control the options and stuff or like maybe they didn't have options for sensitivity of mouse and stuff <laughs> yeah so i think now there's 
there's more options usually. Well, I still get sick on like some games that don't have those options or like are not as smooth running. <laughs> I also wanted to mention two other honorable mentions that didn't make my list. <laughs> Dragon Warrior, aka Dragon Quest in its original release was a game I really liked playing when I was little. And yes, I am talking about the original Dragon Warrior, the one where you only have a one person party for the entire game. You do not have anybody else in your party and it's slow and grindy and awful, but Little Crystal could handle it on the Nintendo and so therefore I love it. And my other honorable mention is the Zork series of games, specifically the later games, the ones that were not text-based, including the really interesting Zork Grand Inquisitor, where Eric, I can't remember his last name, he's an actor, he's bald, he played the Grand Inquisitor in the video cinematic parts of that video game and it was so funny. But yeah, I love the Zork games, so those are my honorable mentions that I haven't said yet. Should I say some of my honorable mentions? Of course! <laughs> well, so I was thinking of like little, little Ambi. So before we got the N64, my, my parents had an Atari, a Commodore 64, and an Intellivision. And so like I, I played a lot of games on there and I think one of my favorite games to play with my brother was uh, Super Mario Brothers on the Commodore 64, I think. I think it was called Super Mario Brothers, but it was like a two-player one with, with turtles coming out, like a one one screen platforming and there's a pow button and so like you could either i think it was supposed to be cooperative <laughs> i'm not sure maybe no maybe it was supposed to be competitive i, I don't remember but we played sometimes co cooperatively and sometimes competitively and you're supposed to like jump under the turtles under the floor to knock them over and then hit them and they fall off sometimes we would like push the other person into the turtles to kill them <laughs> and, and so it was like sometimes we would be like cooperating to try to get to a higher level and sometimes we would not be in it was a lot of fun just playing together so that was yeah my sister and i liked playing that one too <laughs> similarly we liked ice climber on the nintendo which was also kind of a uh -huh. similar vibe except you just kept uh -huh. going higher and higher <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for this week's board game blitz visit our website boardgameblitz.com for more content and links this episode was sponsored by gray fox games the gods and prophets expansion to reavers of midgard is coming soon adding the ability for the gods to offer their aid to those willing to celebrate them with offerings of riches and don't forget, you can get 10% off your entire order at grayfoxgames.com, including promos, exclusives, and upgrades not available anywhere else. Just use the code BGBLITZ2023 at checkout. Join the Blitzkateer community on Discord for community game nights, discussions, and more by following the link in the show notes. You can support the show by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. And if you want behind-the-scenes access, access to our private Discord channel, shoutouts, and more, visit ko-fi.com slash boardgameblitz today. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Marlow technical support provided by Toby Mao. Until next time. But there's no sense crying over every mistake. You just keep on trying till your next turn to take. And the board games get played and your friends they have stayed for the hobby that is still alive. Bye everyone. Bye.